Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. everyone, welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. That was, of course, the one and only Cher singing the Golden Girls theme song. I've never felt a serotonin rush in my life quite like the one I got when Cher posted on her social media that clip of her singing that theme song. I couldn't be happier. I'm just so incredibly grateful. And we have so much to talk about, of course, on this show today. We have The Real Houses of Salt Lake City, which... Ah, oh, you guys, that episode was incredible. It was so good, but also so chaotic. So we're going to break down that whole thing. And then after Salt Lake City, we're going to talk about And Just Like That, because we're on the penultimate episode. So there's one more episode on HBO Max of the new Sex in the City reboot. And I got to say, it's getting wilder and wilder. And one of the things that I think is getting lost in the conversation, because a lot of the stuff that's happening is pretty batshit, I think the Steve of it all is getting lost. And I'm not talking about his storyline. I'm talking about his accent work. Because that man, I, I know he's from a very specific area of New York City, but it seems to me like the accent work is getting stronger than it's ever been before. I mean, he's totally morphed into like a Looney Tune who fucked Dorinda Medley after slurring her speech after a night of too many martinis. I mean, he's totally slurring. Marincha, are you lesbian now? I just want to eat ice cream and watch TV. That's enough for me. I don't know if that was a good impression, but it's like that. Steve's voice is totally morphing now, and I'm not sure exactly what's happening with it. I mean, this week on the show, he's like, Gary, is Marincha lesbian now? What is happening with Steve's voice? I mean, good. God bless. You know, I'm Team Steve. I'm not trying to shade him in any way because I'm sitting here watching every week like Justice for Steve. I love that man. I love that little man. But I mean, the voice is, I don't know what's happening. And maybe it's because he's losing the hearing. I know the character is losing the hearing. So did that make him want to lean into the to the vocal aer- aer- uh, exercise or aerobics? I was going to say the vocal aerobics. It's Miranda, lesbian how? Relax, I'll get your ring out of the sink. I'm Steve. I love Miranda. It's just a lot happening. <laughs> That's a terrible impression, but you guys get the picture. Anyway, we're going to talk about that after Salt Lake City, but we do, we have to get into Salt Lake City because this happened on the show, so buckle up, Buttercup. You never can go f- herself. I'm done with her. I f- hate her. She's a whore. She's f- half of New York. <sighs> That moment, that moment, and obviously it's causing a friction between Lisa Barlow and Meredith Marks, because on social media, Meredith Marks is threatening to quit. She replied to some tweet, she's going to be on Watch What Happens Live, and somebody said, uh, ask Meredith why she does the show, and Meredith responded to the tweet like, yeah, that's a good question, I don't know why I do this show. 
And then she posted something on her Instagram account, like, your friends will stab you in the back or some, you know, some quote like that. And then Lisa Barlow responded with her own quote on social media. She said, I'm writing my own story. Write your own, Lisa Barlow said on her Instagram account. And so it's like a lot's going on between those two. And I think Meredith Marks probably saw that hot mic moment and said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not going to be friends with you anymore. I'm going to disengage from Lisa Barlow. And I don't see how Lisa Barlow comes back from that. Because I don't know if you guys follow on the social media, but Lisa Barlow and Meredith Marks have birthdays around the same time in December. And in last December, the two of them posted something about happy birthday, you know, we're buddy-buddy. So that leads me to believe that filming for season two of Salt Lake City happened uh, around May of last year. And then in December, they were posting birthday messages. So that leads me to believe that Meredith Marks did not know Lisa Barlow's going to hide behind that door and have the hot mic moment where she called her whore. Fucking half of New York City. So I think the fallout is going to, it came swift and there's no coming back from it. And I'm not sure how it's going to be addressed at the reunion, but I can't imagine Meredith Marks was happy at the reunion with Lisa Barlow. That hot mic moment calling her a whore. Uh, I am so excited, though, to see that reunion. And again, every week, the show just gets more and more chaotic. This week, we opened with a timestamp. And I know that when we open with a timestamp, we're in for a treat. Because it said 1.15 p.m. We're in for a treat. I buckled up. Although I was a little bit concerned because they said they were going to be doing outdoor activities. And you know, I don't want a Fast and the Furious franchise on the channel Bravo. And that's what I think they do sometimes. They lean into too much on the Real Houses of Beverly Hills. Remember, it's like they were always showing them going fast in a car. And nobody cares how fast Erica Jane's going in a car unless it's rolling over a hill in Pasadena while it's snowing. I don't care to see these women on a racetrack or something, and they tend to lean into that. So although we got the time stamp, I was excited about that, but then my excitement died down a little bit when I found out some of them were going ATV racing. Luckily, they split up. Some of them were going to the spa. Uh, I do want to briefly touch on Meredith, her her speech pattern as well, because I know we just talked about Steve. Marantia! We just talked about Steve. But Meredith on Salt Lake City, it does feel like even when she's not drinking, some of the speech is being slurred. And I know she was going through a lot, so I understand. But there was one time where she said, uh, early in the episode this week, she said, I just put on a little lipstick and a little makeup. It's called sunglasses. And she put, she was talking about her not doing her makeup in the morning. She was talking to Jenny. But it's like some of that speech is coming out a little slurred. And who am I to judge? I'm sure sometimes I get on this microphone and my speech is slurred too. You know, sometimes you're talking a mile a minute or sometimes you're, your head is going faster than the words coming out of your mouth. So I understand. But it's happened enough that I felt like we needed to address it because I uh, don't understand it. I don't understand it. Also, Jen Shaw, she's getting in glam to go ATV racing. Now, we know after the ATV race, she went with Whitney. And Whitney had said after she got out of that ATV, she said, does it look like I ate an asshole? Because her face was covered in dirt. And so Jen Shaw, she did all of this glam just to get all that shit on her face. And I do have to say that we learned a few weeks ago that she was borrowing money from the mom, and now she's paying for glam. So what's going on here? Where's this money coming from? I mean, you're being called up by the feds for bamboozling people and stealing their money, and then you're doing the glam. And that's a little troubling to me, but I guess we'll see how that all plays out. And also, we're finding out uh, that she has to downgrade the house. Remember, they went and looked at that one house with the word art in the closet? So now she's buying the glam, and Meredith pointed out late in the episode, how is she paying for this dinner? And Whitney said in that scene, like, oh, I think the husband's paid for it. And I was shouting at the screen, like, actually, I think Bravo paid for it. Like, what are we, what are we all pretending here? You're on a TV show. 
So look, I do know that sometimes the women pay for things and then sometimes Bravo picks up the check. But I think for the most part, for like a cast, a dinner like that, I believe that Bravo picked up the bill, right? But they were trying to pretend that the husbands did it. Maybe I'm wrong here off base, but I don't know. But I think the glam, the women do have to pay for. That's why some of the women have glam, some of them don't. So I uh, don't understand how the she's paying for the glam unless it's uh, people's monies who accidentally gave it to her because she, they were victims. You know, I'm not sure where that money's coming from. Is what I'm trying to say. But I don't think she needed glam, particularly to go to ATV racing when they were, looked like they were eating ass. You get what I mean? Anyway, Lisa and Heather, that's a weird duo. They went horseback riding. And then Whitney and Jen went ATVing. Mary, Jenny, and Meredith went to the spa. Uh, Whitney, um, they're all hungover too, by the way, because they were drinking out of those trifle dishes. So I think Whitney said at one point when she was meeting Kevin, the driver, I don't know who it was. Somebody said good morning or afternoon or whatever time of day it is. Maybe that was Meredith Marks. But they, they can't be bothered to know what time of day it is. They were drinking like college frat guys. Uh, the night before. So I understand they're not concerned with time. And maybe that's why Meredith was slurring this week. Maybe that's why, because you wake up hungover. Sometimes when I wake up hungover, it's like I'm still drunk. And it's been a while since it happened, but sometimes it's like the alcohol still in your system. And don't, do you ever happen to you where you wake up and you're like, man, I don't really feel that hungover. And it's because you're still drunk. And then slowly throughout the morning, the the hangover kicks in. Those are the worst ones because you get bamboozled in the morning. You think you're good to go for the rest of the day. And then suddenly the hangover finally kicks in and you're like, oh, actually, when I woke up, I was still drunk. So that's no fun. Uh, but we do have, okay, so let's see, to break this down, uh, Heather and Whitney, um, or I'm sorry, Heather and Lisa with the horses. They were with people named Ray and Whitney. It was spelled W-H-I-T-N-E-E. Uh, they were They were the horse guides for Heather and Lisa. And they sit on the mountaintop, they point out, it's like a Britney Spears video, of course, I'm not a girl, not yet a woman, a classic video. I mean, who doesn't love that? Do you remember that whole era when Britney Spears was wearing the the shirts with like the long wings attached to the arms? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? It was like every appearance around the I'm not yet a girl uh, era, she was wearing, she looked stunning. I mean, she always looks stunning, but she had those arms with the wings. And I remember looking, I'm like, man, I wish they would start making those for men because I wanted to wear them. I was in high school. I'm like, I need to get a wing shirt. I feel like it's fun. You You fly around town like you're a bird. And she was wearing them, and they didn't catch on that much, but I remember wanting one. Much like I wanted when Avril Lavigne was wearing the socks on the arms, remember? Or Ryan Starr from American Idol Season 1. They were wearing the socks on the arm. And I wanted those, too. You know, I think back on my youth, and I think, why couldn't I have done those fashions? I wanted to do them. But, you know, times weren't like they are now. Nowadays, gender, everyone's experimenting and doing what they want. But when I was in high school... I'd get called a gay and not in a good way if I was running around with those wing shirts. So you couldn't do it. But anyway, they were on that mountaintop. Uh, Heather said to Lisa, you've defended Meredith and I feel bad for you. So now Heather's stirring the pot. Heather's stirring the pot with Lisa. And Lisa said, I feel bad for me too. And so now Lisa's playing the victim. She loves that she could be the victim. She was so happy when Heather sat her down and said, I feel bad for you because Meredith is how she's treating you. Lisa loved that. She's like, finally, I get to be the victim this season because she wanted to be. She loves that she could be it. And I'm loving watching it. So then, meanwhile, in the ATV, uh, the driver who was taking them around town, Jen and Whitney, his shirt said, let's do something dirty. And I don't know why. I just like that. Let's do something dirty. Just had to pay that law and order side effect. Okay, so now they're all starting to question Meredith's father's memorial. 
in their individual scenes. Uh, Whitney and Jen Shah are questioning it. Lisa and Heather are questioning the memorial. And I am sort of shocked because they showed footage of Lisa on the bus when they were uh, going to that first cast trip. And she was on the phone with Meredith. She got off. She's like, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. Apparently that happened on a Tuesday, but the memorial is supposed to be on a Wednesday or a Monday. So Meredith told Heather that it was one day and then on the bus it was the next day, something like that. They didn't line up. And they're all sort of making me turn on Meredith, which I was not expecting. Because, you know, I was on Team Miss Marks. And by the end of the episode, I was on back on Team Marks. But I was shocked because I was listening to them and I was like, maybe Meredith did lie about the memorial. Did not everyone believe that? I felt like I was getting uh, completely bamboozled by all four of these women questioning the Memorial Day timeline. Not Memorial Day, Memorial Date. Different things. You know, the Father's Memorial. And I just knew Meredith was not going to take this well. And I can only imagine what Meredith was thinking when she was watching this show. Because last week on the show, she said, my family's off fucking limits! Remember, she woke up that morning banging the pans and running around that whole uh, house and yelling about, my family's off fucking limits! My family's off limits! She was nuts. She like really lost it, and I loved it. But she, uh, I knew, was not going to take this well. And I wish we had a camera on her while she was watching this episode at home. Sometimes I think Bravo needs to send a camera crew when they show up uh, with the screeners. When they send these women these screeners of the episodes, they need to get a camera on them because I would have given anything to watch Meredith Marks watch this whole entire episode. She's probably screaming to the high heavens. Do it, She probably was nuts, and I wish I saw it. But they were making me turn on her. So Jenny, Meredith, and Mary, meanwhile, are at the spa. This is a group, huh? Meredith, Mary, and Jenny. Mary got a uh, fully clothed massage. I said, what? What is she doing fully clothed? I mean, she had the sunglasses on. And, you know, I normally take off everything when you get the massage. You, of course, have the towel covering you or whatever. But I couldn't believe that she was in full outfit getting the massage. And I imagine that was tough for the masseur, right? How do you even get in there when there's all sorts of stuff? I'm actually someone who doesn't like massage above the neck. You know, I have TMJ, so I don't like anything above the neck. Um, But... I still think it must be hard for the masseur to try to do it. Meredith totally fell asleep. Jenny said, I wish I did too. And Meredith said, I agree. So I guess she agreed that she wished Jenny fell asleep. I don't even know if, you know, sometimes when somebody says something and you just respond with like a generic thing, I felt like that's what Meredith did because when they were walking out of the massage, Meredith said, I totally fell asleep. And then Jenny said, I wish I did. And Meredith responded with, I agree. And I thought, I don't even think Meredith was listening to what Jenny said. She just said, I agree. And I think... (laughs) that's the vibe I got. And I love when that happens, when somebody's just not even paying attention to someone. You just throw out like one of those, like, yep, there's no I in team. Like you just throw out a uh, a saying to try to respond to someone. And then, let's see, Meredith yelled at Jenny for talking about the PI situation. Jenny apologized, said it'll never happen again. Uh, oh, did we talk about how Jenny's not on the show anymore? They got rid of her. They announced that. I talked about it. I had a guest, Rachel Lindsay from The Bachelor. She's got a new book out. Her and I talked about the Salt Lake City Jenny stuff. So if you want to listen, it's a separate episode last week. So go listen. It's a great interview. It's also on the YouTube channel. But um, Jenny's no longer going to be here. Dewey, she says, refuses couples therapy. He's the worst. Ugh, I hate that Dewey, that man. Even hearing his name, I was like, Ugh, get him out of here. Uh, they did ask Mary about Robert Sr., they said, what's going on with Robert Sr.? And she's like, I'm not interested in talking about this. <laughs> Little girl. She wasn't interested. And so she just excused herself. And I don't know if Mary's back next season. I saw these 
uh, pictures online. Apparently, Jen and Heather were at Mary's church. They're filming for next season. So that leads me to believe that maybe Mary is back next season. I'm not sure. But I don't want Mary back if she doesn't want to film because there's been too many times where Mary doesn't show up or she leaves the filming, and that's no fun for me. Like, we need you at the tables later in the episode when they're at that dinner. She excused herself, and then she came back, and I was like, I bet the producers had to coerce her to come back. I bet she didn't want to film no more. Anyway, she doesn't want to end it and want to ask him about Robert Sr., which is unacceptable on a reality show. I get if you wouldn't want to talk about your husband. I wouldn't want to talk about my husband. But that's why I'm not on a reality show. If you want to play the game, you got to play the game. Uh, then the women all get back to the house. Uh, Jen Shaw said to the ATV, the guy who was helping them with the ATV, she said, it was Shaw amazing, dirty dirt, dirt, dirt. She just, that was a direct quote. She said, it was Shaw amazing, dirt, dirty, dirt, dirt. I don't know. You guys, I just had to say that that's what she said. It was really troubling, actually, to hear it. To hear it in real time, if you go back and watch the episode, and she said she used her shamazing line. And I, you know how I feel when she uses a shamazing or a, a, one of her shalines. I don't like when she does it. It's like a weird, it's very odd to me. Uh, but she said it was shamazing. And it's like, we need you to just stop because I don't like when she adds the shot in. It's fun when we do it, but when she does it, I don't know, something troubling it makes me uncomfortable. That was amazing, she said to the ATV driver. He was probably like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> oh, by the way, did you guys see Teresa Giudice was in an interview with Andy from the Real Houses of New Jersey? And he asked her about Jen Shaw. He's like, what do you think of Jen Shaw and Erica Jane? Uh, which was funny. It was like almost implying that Teresa just has a relationship with all the people who are in criminal investigations on these shows. Uh, but Jen, uh, but Teresa said something about how she doesn't know Jen from Shaw's. And it's like, Teresa can't be bothered with other shows on this network. She's barely learned the cast members on her own show. Okay. You can't expect her to know what's going on in Salt Lake City, but she thought Jen was on the show Shaw's of Sunset. And it just made me laugh so hard because Teresa, she's not watching anything on Bravo. She's probably got, I don't know, some Netflix or Hulu or something. She's not watching Bravo. And even though the network pays her, she's not interested in Housewives. And I think that's what we love about Teresa. So uh, it made me laugh. It made me laugh. So then all the women are nice and tired for dinner. And I got excited about that because the producers tuckered them out. And that's good producing because they said, okay, we're going to get you all super tired and then force you to go to dinner together. And that's going to cause fireworks. And it did. They were right. Whoever's producing the season, bravo. Ah, they're doing a flawless job. I mean, that's, that's good producing. And, uh, you know, I know they got a great cast, but I do want to give it up to the producers of this show because I feel like they're really bringing it and I just, we should salute them. Um, so they're getting ready for the dinner. Jen, okay, this was a little, this was a little confusing to me. So Jen is hosting a Cinco de Mayo party. And okay, I felt like I might have missed something. And so I, it's hard for me to even talk about this because I was like, did I just like miss something that happened or something? Because she said she's throwing it because Mary called her a Mexican thug. And I was just, I was confused. So, but then she never told Mary that this is why we're throwing the Cinco de Mayo party. Also, it seems like maybe not the most appropriate reason to be throwing a Cinco de Mayo party. And I, I was confused. Also, I was like, are any of them Mexican? Because I, was I, I just I wasn't sure exactly if I, I, I so I don't know I I I don't know I don't know I don't know I did like though that they had quesadillas and Meredith goes what are these quesadillas I have the quesadilla uh-huh. I'll have the quesadilla that was the Nickelback song you guys <laughs> 
I put Nickelback on the soundboard, which was a real low point for here uh, here at Everything Iconic because Nickelback, of course, not a very respected uh, group, you know, these days. No one really likes Nickelback, but they did have a song called Rockstar where they do sing a line called "I'll have the cushion, do you?" I have the and so when I saw Meredith say, are these quesadillas? I was like, I got to add the quesadilla to the soundboard. And I said it out loud. I said to my boyfriend, I was like, Matt, I got to add the quesadilla sound effect to the soundboard. And he's like, what's that? And I was like, it, uh, it's Nickelback. And he's like, um, you can't add Nickelback to your soundboard. <laughs> and I was like, watch me, bitch. You know, we can add it. We can do it. So I added it. You know, I added Cher and Nickelback, which are the two sides of my coin, Cher and Nickelback. I have the I'll have the quesadilla. Which, again, I think I pointed out before, it sort of sounds like a Cher ask when he says it. I'll have the quesadilla. Anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, this this dinner. This this dinner. So I don't really understand if I missed something with the dinner of like why we're here at a Cinco de Mayo party, so forgive me. But uh, it was a little bit confusing and troubling to me. Um, but Jen and oh Whitney and Meredith, um, they... Everyone's getting into it. Everyone's getting into that. This is another one of those dinners. It's going to be hard for me to recap because it's like they're all fucking fighting. Uh, but before the dinner, Whitney and Meredith sat down. And this is when Meredith said, Jen stipulated to the government that she has zero assets. So if she's paying for dinner, I can't go. I My jaw dropped in this moment. Did anyone else's jaw? I couldn't believe that we were addressing this on camera. And even Whitney in the moment was like, oh, my God, I can't believe you just said that on camera. And Meredith said, it's about keep things clean. She said, it's about keeping things clean. And Whitney's like, well, it's my understanding that the husband's paid for it. And I think what Whitney was really saying was like, it's my understanding that Bravo paid for this, right? Like she couldn't say that. I bet you Whitney said, actually, I think Bravo paid for this. And a Bravo producer stepped in and was like, Whitney, we need you to redo that line, you know? And then she had to redo it. That's how I feel what happened here. I could be wrong. Um, but then Meredith just sort of laughed it off with that laugh. She's like, okay, fine. <laughs> And she did that Joker laugh. And so we just sort of moved on and we go to dinner. And then uh, we see Heather, she dressed as Frida Kahlo. Which, again, I felt confused about. I was like, did we talk about Frida Kahlo here? Like, what was the... I didn't really... I felt like I just maybe missed something. I was like, why are we dressing in full Halloween costume now? We are in full... Why are we dressing as Frida Kahlo? Like, I didn't... Did I... Is it just because it was a Cinco de Mayo party, or did they say to dress up specifically? I, I, I don't know. I have the anyway, Jen then gave them those snowflake necklaces that she had gotten for that other trip, but she wasn't able to give them before because, uh, you know, she was arrested at the Beauty Lab and Laser 15 Minute Botox parking lot just outside of it. And so she gave them the snowflake necklace, and apparently they had six diamonds plus one in the middle that was a big one that represented Jen. And Meredith accepted it. And Whitney pointed out in her confessional, she said, well, Meredith had a problem with whether or not this dinner was paid for by Jen Shah. And now she's ex- accepting the snowflake necklace. So what's the truth? And then Jen just decided to cheers to my little snowflakes. Cheers to my little snowflakes. And I'm thinking, none of you like each other, even in the slightest bit. Even Not even in the slightest bit. They don't like each other. Mary went back in the house. And oh, this was so good. So when Mary excused herself from the table, she said, I'm going to go back in the house. And Whitney said, can you bring back some blankets? And Mary just said, nope. <laughs> she just said, nope, I will not do it. Not interested. Not interested in bringing you a blanket. I can't be bothered, Mary said. Mary is not interested in bringing nobody a blanket, little girl. 
little girl. Little girl. I'm not bringing you a blanket. So then she went in the house, and they're all like, basically, Mary's an asshole. They're all saying that at the table. Like, what's going on? Why is Mary such an asshole? That's what they talk about next. Um, we do have to take a quick break here, and then we're going to talk about the rest of this dinner. I mean, because I have lots of notes left, you guys. I mean, I don't even know how we're going to do this, because... I mean, so much was happening at this dinner, not even just the hot mic moment, which of course we're going to break down in detail for at least 75 minutes. But it was like fights after fights after fights. And every dinner, these people get together, unlike any other franchise. It's like the biggest fights. Ugh. Every single cast member is fighting with every single cast member. It's so layered. It's so good. So we're going to come back. I want to thank ACAST for all episodes of Everything Iconic. Go to ACAST.com slash Everything Iconic. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino, Twitter and Instagram. Go to the YouTube if you want to watch the interviews. And we'll be right back, little girl. Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, We use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. uh, So that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everything iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everything iconic. And we're back, little girls. Little girl. Okay, so now the dinner just gets completely chaotic and totally unhinged. And I do have to say that I believe this is an all-time great season of The Real House of Salt Lake City. I think this is something we'll look back on, and her story will uh, let us know that this is one of the greatest ever done in the history of the Housewives franchise, because every single week we're delivering, we have all these humongous storylines happening. We got uh, arrests from FBI. We got a cult situation. We got Jenny and the uh, her. I mean, it's like 
so much is happening this season on uh, The Real House of Salt Lake City and within the Salt Lake City universe of this show. It is one of the all-time greats. And I think, like, if you're not on board, I feel sorry for you. But also, uh, I just think this is something we're going to talk about for years to come. Much like we talk about, I don't know, I talk about season three of The Real Houses of New York or or those early uh, Beverly Hills seasons, or or that uh, some of the Atlanta seasons, which have just been uh, top tier, or or that uh, two seasons ago on Potomac. It's like we're going to think of this as some of the best ever. New Jersey season two, season three. I mean, we're going to think of this as the one of the all time greats. And so I just feel grateful that we're within this era. And I don't know how they come back from this next season. I do think next season will be good though, because we do have all the the Jen Shaw legal stuff will be playing out. So I think we're still in for another good season. I don't think we've even peaked yet, honestly. And I don't even know if I should say that. Maybe I should knock on wood. But I uh, think that we're in for a couple, one or at least one or two really top tier seasons. And then I think it'll fall off a cliff, right? It'll just, it'll totally fall off a cliff like all shows do. But I think they can still keep it going for a few more seasons, you know? I think we still got a couple more in us. The Underpump Rules, by the way, since we're talking about shows that have fallen off a cliff, I do have to say that the reunion I thought was kind of good. I thought it was their highest rated episode. It sort of makes me think that maybe they will come back. And there was this whole thing in the reunion about Sheena wanting to do a wedding in Bali with Brock. And I have to see that on film. I'm sorry to say that. You know, I haven't been on board with Vanderpump Rules this season. We haven't been recapping it. It's been uh, pretty much a hellscape over there at the Sir Restaurant, Sexy Unique Restaurant. However, I watched both parts of the reunion, and I was expecting them to just be complete garbage, especially because two or three of the cast members had to zoom on in. Which, by the way, that's my biggest problem. I just have to quickly say this, because we're talking about Vanderpump Rules. I do have to say that I am upset that we're not addressing any of the elephants in the room. So even with the COVID stuff, I know, I think Lala, people had said, had, had said on social media that she would test positive for COVID. But none of it made sense of, like, why they were zooming in. I thought, why didn't they just tell us, like, what was going on? They just said out of abundance of caution. But it felt so confusing to me. And then I also wondered, was it, like, a last-minute decision? Because if... Those three cast members were zooming in. Why did they come in at the end of the first part of the reunion? And then the other thing I have to say, and this was my big complaint with the whole season as a whole, why are we not addressing like all these firings? You know, like I think I understand why they got rid of all these cast members, but it was so weird to me that we never addressed it throughout the season. And then I thought Andy for sure will ask about all this stuff at the reunion. How do you all feel about this? How has it been filming with all out all of these other people? Like, why didn't we ask any of these questions? It just sort of went by the wayside. It was the biggest story on Vanderpump Rules. And never in the season was it addressed and never at the reunion. Even like Jax was sort of addressed, but it's like, and Lisa had said off the cuff, like, yeah, Jax was let go, which I know Jax and Brittany had released a statement saying they were leaving the show, but it's like, Lisa actually was like, nope, actually, you were let go. She said that three reading. But why are we not talking about it? Like, it was so important and integ- these people were so integral to the show. And it seems like it could have been an interesting conversation to have, but yet we just sort of went over it. So although I did love the reunion and I need to see more now, which I regret to say, I'm sorry, I don't feel good about my opinions on that, but I do want more when it comes to Vanderpump Rules. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But the reunion was good. If you didn't watch the whole season, just tune into that reunion. It was kind of like, it was kind of good. It was good. It was good. Okay, so back at this this dinner on the Real Houses of Salt Lake City. 
Okay, so Jenny explains the Mary situation at the spa where Mary didn't want to ask, answer any questions about Robert Sr. And Meredith sticks up for Mary again, which we all are wondering, why is Meredith writing so hard for Mary? We don't understand because although you do want to be loyal to your friends, right? Like, I understand that. But I don't believe that Meredith and Mary are actually that close in real life. But it seems like they've formed this alliance. And Mary does say a lot of mean things, and Meredith does stick up for Mary. And uh, some of the things that Mary says, I think, are actually very warranted, and I support, and I think are really wonderful for this show. But I just don't quite understand that dynamic, and I think maybe because there's a disconnect with the chemistry between Meredith and Mary. Again, because I don't see them as close friends. So then it leads me to believe they've just formed this alliance for the show, so that's where I feel like there's the loyalty is confusing to me. Because like Heather and Whitney, I think, do genuinely like each other outside of the show. So when they stick up for each other, I feel like it's just genuine. They're friends, and so they're loyal to each other. But I'm not getting the chemistry between Meredith and Mary, and maybe I'm just missing something. But Mary comes back to the table without the blankets. She's not interested in bringing those blankets. And uh, they ask about... Uh, Whitney says to Mary, Mary, do you like Jenny? You know, Whitney, you got to rely on Whitney to just stir the pot at these dinners. I'm really happy she's asking the questions and making these dinners move forward. Much like Marisol's doing over on the Real Houses of Miami when they sit down for dinner and says, who do you trust the least? Marisol said that at a dinner in Miami. You got to watch it. Oh, it was so good. Uh, but I like when they stir the pot and they get the storylines moving forward, even when they're clunky. I mean, this was a clunky situation with Whitney where she said, Mary, do you like Jenny? And Mary just says, no. <laughs> <laughs> I love that's when I love Mary. I love when Mary just is like, nope, she's not engaging, not interested in pretending to like this woman that she doesn't like. And I actually very much support that. And then Jenny and Mary fight. And then Heather jumps in and they say something about the husbands. And Mary says to Heather, you don't have a husband, which I could not believe came out of Mary's mouth to Heather. And then Heather responded with, fuck you, Mary Cosby. Who's your husband? Your step granddaddy? Oh. You guys, this was so good. It was so good. I, I felt for Heather in that moment, though, because she wasn't planning on fighting with Mary. But Mary just all of a sudden said something about Heather not having a husband, and it's Heather snapped. Everyone's got a breaking point. We all have a breaking point, and I understood where Heather was coming from. Don't say you don't have a husband. And then, uh, meanwhile, you're married to the step-granddaddy. So I understood Heather in that moment, and it was like, this is where everything just goes all to hell. All to hell. Mary says she doesn't want to give Jenny the energy. Meredith uh, is not kind, Lisa says to Meredith. Then Jen goes after Lisa. Lisa says, I'm a great friend to everyone here. And then she said, who's there for me? Who's there for me? You know, because now Lisa's being the victim, which is great because it's making for good TV. Lisa says, though, I'm going to be nice to everyone. And she said it as a threat. She's like, I'm nice to everyone. And then she said to Mary, Mary chimes in. And Lisa says to Mary, I'm kind to everyone, Mary. You're fake as fuck. And it was like, all in one sentence, she said that. It was like, I'm kind to everyone. You're fake as fuck. It was like, that all came at the same time. And I just thought it was fantastic, phenomenal, because the dichotomy of that was just like, I'm nice to everyone and you're fake as fuck. I thought this is television, ladies and gentlemen. HBO, Showtime, they need to get on the uh, Salt Lake City train because they don't have a single show that's as good as this one right now. I don't believe that there's anything delivering the same level on the history of television or on the television landscape at current times. Nothing as good as Salt Lake City. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm so feeling so happy. I feel so good. Ah, oh, we got some shows happening.
Okay, what else is going on? Oh, Mary does yell at Lisa for liking Taco Bell. She says, you're eating like candy. You eat at Taco Bell. And Lisa's like, I love Taco Bell, and I also love fine dining. And I got to say, I love Taco Bell, too. Taco Bell, who's the sponsor of Everything Iconic. And I love them regardless of if they're sponsoring the show or not, because Taco Bell, there's nothing better when you get a cheesy gordita crunch and you put some mild sauce on it, slather it on. Ugh. Guys, I'm going to get Taco Bell right when we're done here. I love it. I love it. Nothing's as healing as Taco Bell. And nothing's as healing. Um, and so I was on Team Lisa in that moment, because I didn't like that Mary was judging that Lisa likes Taco Bell. Because who amongst us doesn't like Taco Bell? Has Mary never had it? Because if you have one of them, you're going to love it. Going to love it. And Mary said in her confessional that Lisa has no depth. <laughs> she said, you have no depth. She meant depth, but I like that she said depth. And then Lisa snapped and called Mary's church fake. She says, your church is fake. At least she said, Lisa Barlow's an amazing human being. And then Mary says, my whole congregation doesn't like you. And then Lisa says, you don't even have one. They're all leaving because they don't know who or what they're praying to. And this is when everything's just getting crazy. And it's just like, I, my jaw was dropped. My mouth was agape. I kept pausing it. You guys do that when you pause it and you check to see how many minutes are left? Because you just think it's going to end because usually it gets so good and then they end it. But it was like, I kept pausing. It was like, oh, we got 10 minutes left. I'm like, oh my God, I feel so blessed. How do we still have 10 minutes left of the show? It was like so much was happening and I was so happy. And Mary says to Lisa, you'll never come to my church. And then Jen had left the table, but then she comes back to the table. Heather's stuck up for Lisa. Mary and Jenny fight. Mary says to Jenny, you're a mess, which she is a mess. Mary's not wrong there. Mary was right. Mary's out of her time. She was right. Then Whitney says it's confusing that Mary has a church and treats them all this way. And Whitney says uh, God taught her to be nice. Um, and Mary brings up that Whitney's always on a pole. And then Whitney says, well, God taught me how to be on that pole. And I don't think Whitney's wrong because, you know, if you're on a pole, nothing wrong with that. If you want to ride a pole, God gave us bodies to do for what we want with them. He gave us our own agency over bodies. So if you want to ride a pole with that body that God gave us, God bless. That's what I have to say about that. Ride that pole, baby. Ride that pole. Uh, Mary says, though, we're not all friends. She says, none of us are real friends. And that was the biggest uh, uh, instance of fourth wall breaking I've seen on these shows. You know, we often talk about breaking that fourth wall and we want to talk about the camera crews and the filming of all these shows. And we get little moments, right? Like on Real Houses Beverly Hills, we got the Denise Bravo, Bravo, fucking Bravo moment. Like we get those little tiny moments. But actually, I think more than in the history of the Real Houses, this was the most fourth wall breaking I've ever seen when Mary said, none of us are real friends because she was telling the truth. None of them are real friends. They were cast on this television show. And it's phenomenal. I'm so grateful they were cast on this show because what a group. What a group. Mary says uh, her and Meredith, when they're together, they're real friends. They don't talk about anyone. And then Meredith takes a moment. See, again, I, I do apologize for this recap because I feel like it gets all over the place when I'm recapping Salt Lake City sometimes because so much is going on. And I don't even know to what to focus on. Why did I just sounded like Mario from Super- What to Focus On? It's a me, a Mario. And I don't know what to focus on. But it's happening too fast for me to focus on anything. And Meredith apologizes for screaming. Remember when she screamed the day before? That's what she's apologizing for. She said, I'm sorry I screamed. Don't talk about my family! And she screamed. She was felt bad about it. Lisa then runs away. Okay, you guys. Ah, oh, okay. Buckle up. If you're driving, pull over because we got to talk about this. We got to talk about Lisa Barlow's hot mic moment because she ran away from the table. And I didn't even think Lisa was that mad when she left the table, but she got like worked up on her way to the toilet. 
And she suddenly just lost it when she entered that bathroom. And I tried to take notes of what she said. So this is Lisa behind the in the bathroom, wherever she was. Was she in the bathroom? She was behind a doorway. Behind a doorway. And the mic pack, I think, was still on, or the camera mic was on. After she left the bathroom, she said to the camera person, she said, take my mic. So I actually think she took off the mic herself, but maybe she didn't realize it was still recording. Because it didn't feel like, you know, sometimes I feel like they do a hot mic moment, but they know they're they're still mic'd. I actually feel like Lisa Barlow did not know that she was mic'd because I've never heard her speak this way. And it was shocking, chilling, uh, every good adjective I could think of. It was like some of the most uh, outrageous TV I've ever seen. And uh, so unexpected, again, on a show where we got uh, allegations of a cult leader, we got FBI involved, we got so much happening. It's like still this was the most shocking, which was so unexpected. So Lisa says uh, in the toilet room or in the shit or wherever she was, I'm not sure, Meredith can go fuck herself. I'm done with her because I'm not a fucking whore and I don't cheat on my husband. Her and her dumb fucking family that poses. Why don't you own a house? Oh, wait, you can't because your husband changes jobs every five minutes. Meredith is a piece of fucking shit. I had your back and I'm offended by that. Fuck you. That fucking piece of shit garbage whore. I fucking hate her. She's a whore. She fucked half of New York. She could go fuck herself. She fucked half of New York. She could go fuck herself. Ugh. <sighs> wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, Lisa Barlow, wow. I can't even believe that she's a... Let's break that down. So she said she's a piece of fucking shit. Excuse my language. These are just direct quotes from Lisa Barlow. She said, I had your back. I'm offended by that. She calls Meredith Marks a fucking piece of shit garbage whore. A fucking... <laughs> I've never heard that kind of language. Not on this show. And I've heard a lot of stuff. I've heard someone call someone a prostitution whore on The Real House of New Jersey. And yet here, this was almost as... More shocking when Lisa Barlow called her a piece of fucking shit garbage whore. And then she talks about the family. She said they're a group of posers and they can't own a house because the husband keeps changing jobs every five minutes. <sighs> you guys, I couldn't believe it. And there's no coming, there's no coming back. These two, I don't believe they'll ever be friends again. Never. You can't come back from the, talking about the family. I think Meredith could have gotten over the part about the being a garbage fucking whore. I think that something we've seen the women on these shows get over, right? Remember on, uh, Real Houses in New York, Bethany Frankel calls Luana a whore. And then suddenly she's helping her get into rehab, right? She called her, uh, uh, they've every name in the in the book these women have called each other and i think you can usually get over the word whore right if somebody called me a whore i think i could get over it call me a garbage whore you know, i'd say so what you know uh, so what who who amongst us hasn't been a garbage fucking whore a time or two in their life my whole uh, early 20s i was a garbage fucking whore so i think i could get past that but i think when you talk about the family and then you say your poser and then you talk about the house uh you don't talk about the goddamn house i learned that on beverly hills season 1 in the back of that limo when uh, Kim told Kyle, you stole the goddamn house, it took them years to get over that because you don't bring in the house. You don't bring in the mortgage payments. You don't bring in the house. You don't bring in the real estate. You can call me a garbage fucking whore all you want, but when you bring in the house and you bring in the family, that crosses a line. That's what I've learned. There is a line on Bravo when it comes to these cast members and what they say to each other. Garbage fucking whore, fine. Uh, you talk about the house and the payments, not okay. Remember on The Real Houses of Atlanta when uh, Sheree told Nini her car got repoed? That's talking about uh, bills. You don't talk about that. You don't do that. That's crossing a line. Garbage fucking whore? Okay. Talking about how you pay the bills? Not okay. 
not okay. And so there's no coming back from it. And then also causing the, calling the family posers. Uh, uh-uh. you know, Brooks isn't taking that well in his sweatsuit. You know, he's at home watching this in his Brooks Mart sweatsuit and he's not going to be happy with Lisa Barlow. And if anything, I see there's going to be a sit down between Brooks Marks next season and Lisa Barlow. She's going to have to apologize much like Jen Shaw had to do earlier this season to Brooks Marks because there's no way Meredith's going to let that slide. And I still, again, do not think that Meredith will get over it. I just think that Meredith will force Lisa Barlow to sit down with Brooks and that'll be fun. That'll be fun. But it's there's no way. And Seth's not going to get over it because now she insulted Seth about the jobs. He's had 100 jobs, can't get the house. I don't know, understand the jobs either. Are we going to dive into that at the reunion? Because I need to know, what are these jobs? I knew he was in Ohio for a while, and now he's not in, he's in another state or something. But what is happening? Why is he switching jobs all the time? I don't know. Does Lisa know something we don't? I mean, I assume that it was part of his career was like you... I don't know. I guess I thought it was like free. You know how sometimes you just don't even ask any questions. I thought he was like a freelancer or something. And again, I don't even know what he does. Does anyone? I don't know what he does. Uh, but I kind of thought it was none of my business. He's probably freelancing. And, uh, you know, so you switch places or locations or something. But again, I don't even know what the industry is, which is fine. I don't, I don't know that I need to know. But one thing I've learned from these shows is that sometimes we think we don't need to know. And then suddenly they're getting investigated by the FBI. And then we all think back, like the Jen Shaw situation, we think back and we think, why didn't we ask any questions about like what that career situation was? Because she wasn't ever able to explain it. So anyway, I don't think that Seth is doing something as illegal or, you know, anything that needs to be investigated by the FBI. I'm not saying that much. I'm just saying I don't quite know what's happening over there. But there's no way Meredith's ever going to, uh, ever going to get over this. Lisa and her are donezo. In the words of Laguna Beach, uh, a show on MTV, Dunzo, and I don't, uh, I don't think we're ever going to see them as tight as they were. I don't even know that they could film together. And quite frankly, I don't even see Meredith coming back because why would Meredith want to come back? All these women clearly hate Meredith, and which is shocking to me because I didn't see that coming either on this show. They're saying she's making up her dad's memorial, and now they're saying all this about her, the husband, and whatever. And I actually like, don't believe a lot of this is true. Like, I don't think Meredith faked the father's memorial. They started to trick me earlier in the episode, but when I take a step back and I think about it, I actually don't think she's faked any sort of memorial. And I do think she's grieving. And like, the fact that they are kind of going so hard with Meredith after her father just died is pretty fucked up. I mean, it is fucked up. It's fucked up. And I think we're kind of skipping over that. But Meredith is clearly like going through it after the father died. Now, all these women are saying she lied about the memorial, and now Lisa's behind a door saying whatever. And I think Lisa was mad that maybe Meredith didn't back her up as much, but on some level, I think Lisa should know, like, Meredith's grieving her father. You know, if I lost a parent, I would be grieving. I would be a fucking nutball. Oh, you guys, don't ever fill me with the reality crew if a parent dies or a sibling or something. Like, I couldn't, I would be a fucking nutball. I'd be so fucking mean to everybody. You know, like, when you're grieving, I don't think we talk about the grief process enough, but when you're grieving, stuff comes out unexpectedly. And so I can only imagine filming a reality show after you just lose someone close to you, anyone close to you. And I think we all sort of skip over it because on the shows, they're edited to just move quickly past these storylines. So we did hear at the beginning of the season that Meredith's father just died. But the the father just died. This is like weeks later that we're seeing these women sit down for a dinner weeks after a parent died. And so if that was me, I'd be a fucking nutball. 
And then to have people saying, I lied about something or whatever, go up to the family like, oh, I would be nuts. So I don't imagine that Meredith's coming back from this. They're going to have to give her a big-ass paycheck to come back. And I hope that they do, because I do not want to lose it. I think there's a lot of storyline there. But it will be a night for a nightmare for Meredith to come back and film this show. Utter fucking nightmare to deal with these people who called you a shit garbage whore. And then also say that the husband, you cheat on. I, we didn't even talk about how she, Lisa said you cheat on the husband. And you can't own a house because oh, so much is going on. So much is going on. Then they confront Meredith at the dinner table about the faking of the memorial. And I'm thinking, you shouldn't do this because she's going to lose it. And Meredith did lose it. She said, none of your fucking business. I'm done. Don't talk about my family. And Meredith storm off. Uh, Mary chases her and we get it to be continued. Only time in history, I think, that to be continued is actually warranted by Bravo because it was like, we needed that. We needed these women to continue. Uh, and I can't wait for them to continue. I can't wait. You know, I hate that it can be continued, but this one, it actually felt like it felt right. It felt like, yeah, we did need it to be continued. And I do got to say, I don't know if anyone was watching the Janet Jackson documentary on Lifetime. If you haven't, it's a two-part documentary that was just so incredibly phenomenal. And I actually haven't watched part two, but part one, there were so many commercials and then it ended and I was like, I can't believe I have to wait a whole day for the next one. At least I didn't have to wait a whole week. But uh, it was phenomenal TV. Watch the Janet Jackson doc, and I'm so excited to watch part two. I have it recorded. I will be watching it tonight. Uh, but as of this podcast recording, I haven't watched part two, but part one was just excellent TV on Lifetime. I'm sure it's on the Lifetime app or something. Four hours, uh, but I hate it to be continued. Just give it to me all. Now, we're so conditioned to want the episodes all at once. It's hard to just get one at a time or something. I like the binge model where I could sit down and just lose a whole slew of days watching a show. And, uh, okay, with that said, we got to talk about And Just Like That. Shall we dive in? I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so, luckily, I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now, Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high-quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture, so the easier the better for me. Now, Cozy offers beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y, dot com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
And just like that, I have a lot of thoughts. Now, this week we had a full cast episode where all the people were in this painting for this charity event. But I have a major problem with the fact that we ended last week on this Cleveland trip. We saw Miranda getting in the cab, going to see Che Diaz in Cleveland. And then it, I, we all assumed, even in the preview for this week's show, it seemed like Miranda was going in and barging into Che Diaz in Cleveland. And it was going to end poorly. They led us to believe that we were going to be in Cleveland for a whole episode. And then again, like we do every week on this show, we play with space and time as if it uh, is just a concept that we're not interested in uh, applying to this television show. Because suddenly then we're back in New York City. And normally I like when the gals are in New York City, but they teased up that Cleveland trip. They kept saying Cleveland, Cleveland. They didn't even just say Che Diaz was going on tour or something like like that, which I think they would have done if we weren't going to address the Cleveland of all. But they kept saying Cleveland, Cleveland, and then we weren't even in Cleveland. It was the most bizarre thing that I've seen on this show, and this show has shown me a lot. I mean, uh, it was crazy. It was crazy. Like, and we just had Miranda. It seems like they're together now. Like, we're just skipping over things, and then it seems like on the show we're just skipping over a lot. And I'm someone who's a fierce defender of the show. And again, I always have to say I do want more of it. I love it. <laughs> I love it, but it is crazy. And I was always a fierce defender, but it's hard for me to defend because these storylines just, they come and they go. What happened? Miranda was an alcoholic. And then it was like, she quit cold turkey and we're done. We're just, we're done. We're done with it. They just said, well, we're done with that storyline. And it seems like every one of these big storylines, or you think it's going to be a big storyline, and then it's suddenly gone. The next week, we don't hear or see it again. And that was the situation, the Cleveland stuff. It was like they built that up at the end of last week's episode and then just totally dropped it. And I was excited. You know, I was nervous because I'm from Cleveland, you know, very proud Ohio, Northeast Ohioan here. I grew up in Solon right outside of Cleveland, and I was excited and very nervous to see my hometown on this show. And yet they just skipped on over it. No Cleveland, just decided we're back. And then uh, we do see... Miranda, go visit Che, and Miranda said something that was so shocking, so chilling, so tough for me to hear. She said when she visited Che Diaz, she said, I was craving me some Che Diaz. Let me just repeat that line. She said, I was craving me some Che Diaz. I mean, what is that? Who says that? Who talks like that? And I know we've talked about that on the show. Some of the dialogue on this program, it's like, who even says these kind of words? I do not believe that Miranda would say, I was craving me some Che Diaz. That sounds like a crazy person. And that's such a simple line. It's like, who did no one read that out loud? I mean, I just feel like somebody at the table read or something should have said, what a weird line. And I know we're supposed to see Miranda as cringy this season. I believe that's part of the plan. We're supposed to see her kind of giving up her her persona to just follow the rom-com life that she's now she said something like what am i meg ryan and i think we're supposed to believe that she's trying to act on these meg ryan instincts but meg ryan would never say i'm craving me some che diaz she never said that i was craving me some joe fox and you've got mail that's not something my queen meg ryan would say and believe me i know every meg ryan movie do not test me i know meg ryan so then when Miranda said, uh, who am I, Meg Ryan? I thought, absolutely not, Miranda. Do not bring her into this. Because I was pissed. No one do I love more than Miss Meg Ryan. Okay, justice for Meg. She should still be on our screens. And I do not like the way that the public treated her back in 2008 when people were criticizing the way she looked constantly on every magazine cover and every film that she did. And people were siding with Dennis Quaid. I do not appreciate it. I do not. Go back and look. 
Dennis was also cheating on Meg. Okay, they did not have a good, they had a, a falling apart relationship long before Meg Ryan was on the set of Proof of Life with Russell Crowe and having sex with him. Okay, but somehow she was painted as this villainous person. And then when she came out with the women in 2008 and everyone was criticizing her face, go back and look at the women. Go watch that movie and tell me Meg Ryan does not look like a perfect angel. And now, of course, beauty standards have changed. But back then, everyone was saying, oh, she got too much filler, too much Botox. You know, fuck you. She looked perfectly fine. And it's not easy to age as a woman in Hollywood. And she was finding herself. She was trying to figure it out. And every fucking magazine was on stand saying, oh, Meg Ryan's face. And people were online saying, Meg Ryan, her face is so different. Go back and look at 2008. Her face looked beautiful. And nothing like all the people's faces now who are plumped and filled to the gods. Which, again, no shade. I'm happy. Everyone do what they want to their face. Fill it with whatever you want. Helium, if I care. Fill it with clay, helium, whatever the fuck you want to put in that face. You do it. But go back and look. Meg looked beautiful and perfect. And so now Miranda's bringing my Meg Ryan into this saying, oh, to my Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan would never say, craving me some Joe Fox. Craving me some Tom Hanks. She would never say that. No one would say that ever. So stop bringing Meg into this. I'm pissed. I am pissed. I have a quesadilla. I need to have a quesadilla. I'll have a quesadilla. <laughs> okay, what else was going on? Oh, I did see someone online. There's this author, Adam Sass. I hope I'm saying the name correctly. But I saw he tweeted something about it just like that where he said, uh, Carrie's... And I hope I'm misquoting this a little bit, so forgive me. But is Carrie's basically in this show about grief and and moving forward in grief, like a dramatic show? And he said Charlotte's basically in a Beethoven sequel, and that is uh, something that I find to be very true because we're getting a lot of close-ups of the dog in all the Charlotte scenes. We get like a a full-on close-up of her dog just doing like a reaction shot, and it's like, why are we getting a reaction shot from the dog? Like, what is this? It's tonally kind of all over the place, and no shade. I love a Beethoven sequel. I actually think Beethoven's second is better than the first one. I'm sorry, somebody's got to say it. Somebody's got to say it. I love nothing more when that that group comes, goes over to that lake vacation. Debbie Mazar's looking for the dogs. It's uh, iconic. Debbie Mazar's outfits in those movies, I mean, come on, truly the best. And the fact that we got to see Debbie Mazar and Bonnie Hunt in one movie together, ah, uh, heaven, heaven. So believe me, I love a Beethoven sequel. I do. I love it. But it doesn't have a place here. I want to see a reaction shot of Beethoven, okay? And by the way, Beethoven Second has a romance for the ages because that has that Dolly Parton song in it. If you're not familiar, Dolly Parton did a song for Beethoven Second where she sings, it's a duet, and she sings the line, Roll Over Beethoven. It's a beautiful, stunning ballad. And you know I love my Dolly. It's a romantic film. There's this whole sequence where we see the dogs going to see a movie, and then we see Rice falls in love with this really hot guy who ends up being a dick. He tries to basically sexually assault her in the lake house. And go back and that movie's got a lot of layers. Beethoven's second really has a lot going on. There's sexual assault. There's a dog literally um, tears down a lake house. I mean, the dog, Beethoven is like attached to this house. And then these mean teens are feeding him alcohol. And then Beethoven just like rips down the whole house. I mean, he superhuman strength, that dog. Uh, what are we talking about here? How did I get off track? Why, why, why am I giving away the plot of Beethoven's second? I'm not sure. <laughs> we need to reboot that movie. You guys do love a Beethoven. I do. Why am I even talking about Beethoven, though? How did we get here? Oh, Charlotte's dog. So we're seeing a lot of reaction shots of the dog. Also, Charlotte's storyline is that uh, is the period stuff. I don't like Charlotte's kids at all. They're assholes. 
Aren't they assholes? Both of them. I think both those kids are assholes. They're not nice to her. And Charlotte needs to just put them in line because I do not appreciate the way that they talk to their mother or their father. And it's not okay. Uh, Charlotte also had a dinner party. Oh my God. What was that? That Holocaust joke. Did anyone hear that Holocaust joke? It happened so fast. Anthony was invited to a dinner party at Charlotte's house. And Charlotte said something about going to get the holla. And then Anthony's date said, oh, I don't believe in the Holocaust. And I was like, what just happened? What just happened? It, uh, uh, did anyone catch that on just like that, the Holocaust joke? Out of nowhere, it was truly the most unhinged thing I've seen on this show. Maybe since uh, Che Diaz line about craving me some Che Diaz. Now we're getting a Holocaust joke. And I felt like they must have workshopped that a bunch of times, right? Like they probably tried to try to fill something in. But where did that come from? And all the gays on this show, they I mean, they're kind of crazy. We had that one hysterical gay outside of the car that was just banging on the car. Remember a couple weeks ago on the show, there was that gay with the stroller who was just banging on the, the car for like five minutes. And now we got this other gay man who's just denying the Holocaust. It's like, what the fuck is happening in the in the right? Why are we treating all the gays like this? And then meanwhile, Stanford just ran off with a TikTok star. And I know the at Willie Garson, of course, he passed me rest in peace. But then his character just ran off to do a TikTok star left the husband, the husband. I mean, what is happening here? And I don't I don't really love the way that they handled that. I know it was a hard storyline for them to wrap up Stanford. But I feel like they could have been a little bit more respectful because now Anthony has just fully moved on. You know, he's Stanford is in Japan or where did he go with the TikTok star? And so the, all the gays on the show, I'm like, what are what are we doing in here? What? How are we? Why is one of the gays a Holocaust denier? The other one's hysterical, banging on strangers' cars, and another one moved to Japan to, to support a TikTok star. Left the husband high and dry. I mean, crazy. I do love Anthony, though. I do love Anthony. I love that man. I love I love Mario Cantone, and I'm glad that he's got a bigger role, so I'm happy about that. And then, oh, uh, Carrie lost the ring in the sink. That's when she had to, she had to get Steve. Miranda, Carrie, is your, I'll get your ring out of the sink. I'm Steve. I still love Miranda. I just want to sit and eat ice cream and watch TV. Miranda, that's enough for me. Just enough for me. Carrie, I get you ring out of here. I mean, that voice. <laughs> you guys probably hate listening to me do that, Steve, but I like doing it, so you know what? It is what it is. Miranda, are you listening there? <laughs> uh, I can't do the, quite the New York of it all, but I. it's like a lot of that Dorinda slurring. It's a lot of that, like they need to subtitle it at some point because I don't even know what Steve is saying. Uh, okay. Did we talk about it? And just like, oh, so he gets the ring out of the sink. Also, Carrie showed up for that date and then she showed up to say like, I'm not going to be doing the date, but she was in full date outfit. It was like, she got in full glam to go on that date. And then just was like, I'm not going to be here. And next week's finale. I'm nervous about this finale. I'm curious who's going to show up. I think it's going to be Aiden that shows up, but some people on, online are saying maybe Samantha shows up, which I don't think happens, but wouldn't it be amazing? Uh, if we just got like one shot of Samantha. Oh my God. I need, I need a, that storyline to be, uh, I was so intrigued by that storyline about Samantha and how their friendship ended. And it seemed like at the beginning of the season, it was going to play a bigger role, even though that we didn't have Kim Cattrall on the show, but yet they dropped that too. It's like, what happened with that? We didn't even get any closure. It's all these storylines. We're not getting any closure. They're just dropping them like flies. Uh, Miranda's an alcoholic. Then she's not alcoholic. And also, even the Steve and the Brady of it all with 
them getting over the fact that Miranda, the the mom, left for Che Diaz. It's like they were all seem fine with it. And now they're meeting to do charity work to paint together. I was like, what the fuck? I mean, basically everything that happens on the show, I'm like, what the fuck? And I do love it. And actually, this week, I thought it was a really good episode. I mean, as much as I just dragged it for 25 minutes, I think it was maybe their best episode, which I'm not sure what that says about me. But I think it was good. And I want to see more. And I can't wait for that finale. But it's crazy. Uh, okay. Go watch Beethoven's Second. I love you all so much for listening to this podcast. Go pre-order my book. It's coming out soon. I'm so excited. Less than six weeks away. And I'm sorry for all the promo. But you know what? we got to sell the books. got to sell the copies because somebody's got to promote it. So pre-order it. It really helps. The pre-orders help so, so much. But you can also buy it online. And I have a very exciting announcement coming this week that I will share on my social media account. So find me on Instagram and Twitter at Danny Pellegrino because i got a big announcement coming. A big one. I hope I'm not hyping it up too much by saying it's a big announcement, but it is a pretty big announcement. So stay tuned. I love you all so much for listening. Uh, in place of our cheesy little cooldown at the end of this episode, I do want to play uh, Cher's version of Thank You for Being a Friend, and I want you all to call your friends. Tell them you love them. And I want to thank you all for being my friends. Uh, I love you. Stay, uh, stay safe and tune in to this podcast. We have two new episodes coming later this week. We have some interviews coming and then also a recap of Orange County. We got New Jersey's back. So we got a lot of everything iconic comment content coming at you. So thank you all for subscribing and stay tuned and thank you for being a friend. Love you all. Bye bye. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true you're a pal and a confidant oh and if you threw a party oh and invited everyone you knew you would see the biggest gift would be from me and the card attached would say thank you for being a friend wagon wheel watushi